Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. time for another episode of the tc live podcast on the tennis podcast network we're streaming on all your podcast platforms and devices i'm your host mitch michaels and as always we're delighted to have you with us for another show about the wonderful world of tennis this week i got the chance to speak with 25 year old ucla alum and former national champion of both singles and doubles mackenzie mcdonald mackie as he's known in professional and friend circles was the co-star of my tennis life season three and we speak about his improbable run to the fourth round of the Australian Open this year, the second such run he's made to the fourth round of a Grand Slam. We talk about what's propelled him to having some success at the pro level, overcoming the injuries that derailed his last year, and what to expect going forward on the pro tennis grind. He also peels back the curtain, some stuff you might not know about being a pro tennis player, who his favorite friends are on tour, what his hobbies are, and just his love for all things UCLA. It's a great, fun conversation with Mackenzie Mackie McDonald, and it's up next here on the TC Live Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the TC Live Podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here with another another edition of this show. We've had uh, quite a few this year that have involved interviews with some of the players on the men's and women's pro tennis tours. Francis Tiafo last week, before that we had Jennifer Brady, before her Australian Open final run. And this week, in keeping with that UCLA Bruins theme, we're delighted to be joined by the 2016 UCLA national champion in both singles and doubles, became the 12th man in UCLA history to do that. He reached a career high of number 57 in 2019. He was featured prominently on season three of My Tennis Life. Welcome to the TC Live podcast, Mackenzie Mackie McDonald. Mackie, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, we're, uh, we're delighted to have you here, and, and I want to start off with this. Uh, how are you feeling? Have you adjusted to uh, getting back to that jam-packed tennis schedule of traveling, going from tournament to tournament, continent to continent? don't even actually know where I'm speaking to you right now from, but uh, have you adjusted to being back on the grind of a pro tennis player yet? Yeah, you know, honestly, it's really nice uh, getting back into the swing of things with tournaments, having them, you know, most weeks now, so... I'd say this last trip was one of my longest ever, but I definitely feel like I'm, you know, played a lot of matches and match confident and kind of getting in the swing of being on planes again and, and going around and uh, prepping for tournaments and then, yeah, taking care of business when I'm there. So it's been a lot of long flights lately. Uh, lately I can imagine. Uh, and getting into your, you know, quote-unquote comeback, which I want to dive into uh, a little later. But you know, how important has it been, you referenced it, getting that match play? How important has that element been to just get on the court and play matches, regardless of whether they're against the very best in the world or just consistently good tennis players? Yeah, I honestly think, you know, competing at any level, you know, having a lot of matches and being match tough is key, or at least for me, it's always been pretty key, especially going through the grassroots, like, of, you know, junior tennis and then, I mean, in college tennis, I've played so many matches. I think that's always helped me. And then, you know, on tour, 
at the beginning and, and throughout, you know, I just put a lot, you know, and, and made my way through Futures Challengers and then onto the HB Tour before I did get hurt. But since coming back from my injury, I really have not felt like I've played a ton of matches until now. You know, when I first came back, it was such a weird phase after being out for eight months. And then I, I didn't play a ton of matches and I was losing early just because I was finding my footing and everything. And then the tour went blank. So it's nice, you know, being in the swing of things now, finally seeing my game come together. So I'm healthy and I'm pretty happy. You played the Delray Beach Open event uh, singles, and then you and Tommy Paul had a decent doubles run there all the way, I think, to the semifinals. And then it was trying to get ready for that unconventional Australian Open. Mackie, looking back on yeah. that, now that we're like a month or more than a month or so out of it, what was the onboarding process like for you, so to speak, of having to deal with you know flying down there, the quarantine, the adjustment to playing uh, essentially against the best in the world without really that traditional preparation time? Yeah, it was um, it was definitely different. I mean, I was lucky. I had a really good off season. Um, I've, I'm out in Lake Nona right now for a couple of days, and and I did my whole off season out here as well at USPA. So felt like I was pretty prepped going into the year. But again, you don't know how you know you're actually going to be playing in the matches and everything. I mean, for me, it was really nice playing Delray because it was right here, and then you know, it was on on that charter plane going to Australia. I mean, I knew I was. And for something with that two week quarantine, I ha- I haven't gotten COVID ever yet. And, you know, with, with jumping into that quarantine with all the restrictions, it was, uh, I knew it was going to be pretty tough. So I had a pretty blank mindset with, I'm just going to adapt to what's going to happen. I mean, I was super lucky. My plane didn't have a COVID case and my partner was safe. So I had a really good two weeks with Hubie Hercats and, uh, I think uh, I was playing some really good tennis, so I was actually pretty prepped for for AO. I was very fortunate uh, that you didn't have to be with that hard quarantine that some of the players did. You know, and I've heard other things, too. We talked to Taylor Fritz about this a little bit, and he said that first tournament going into it, he was just looking to feel comfortable with his game. That first Melbourne tournament before the Grand Slam, what was your mindset going into that? Was it about results for you? Was it about just working on certain things? What, were your, what was your mindset going into that tournament? Um, for me, going into, you know, a lot of tournaments right now, it's, I mean, I'm still on the climb back. So for me, you know, every match means a lot to me with points. I mean, I still have a, some zeros on my ranking, and I have room to keep improving each week just because I was out for a while, and I don't have a lot of results on my ranking from 2019 like all the other players. So, you know, going into Melbourne 1, I wanted to get wins. Um, you know, I knew I was pretty healthy and ready to go after the off season. So uh, for me, it was just about competing well and, and trying to get wins at every tournament. Well, that certainly led to a success at the Australian Open where you made the fourth round the second time that's happened in your young career already. And uh, in doing so, Mackie, beating some good players in Chechenato, Chorich, and uh, Harris, who's been on a, a little bit of a mini tear, the South African, Let's start here. Do you look at the draw at all? I, I get a lot of tennis players that tell me no. Do you look at the draw beyond the first matchup ever? Um, I used to. I'd say, I mean, during AO and lately, I really haven't been looking past, you know, the first rounds and who, are, who I have in front of me. I've found that that's kind of the most important thing mm-hmm. and all that really matters. And, you know, I mean, at this at this stage, you know, in the pros, I mean, you know, a lot of guys can beat a lot of guys on any any day, so you got to be ready for that that match that's in front of you. 
Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree with that. Chechenato, who made a semifinal at the French Open, was your first match. You follow that up with Chorich, and, and we mentioned in Harris in the run to the fourth round. But did you feel like looking at that first round match and then as it kept going that you had to raise your level from the beginning and maybe it was a, a benefit to you that you're kind of essentially thrown right into the fire of some really tough matches? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, uh, you know, Chechenato played really well the first set and a half. I was down a set. I don't think I was down a break, but I was fighting hard to, uh, to get that second set. I wasn't even playing too bad, but he actually played extremely well. I just don't think he kept the level up and I was able to, uh, you know, put my foot on the gas and serve well and, and come out in four sets there. So really happy with that win. I mean, again, those points were massive for me. Um, and then going to the second one, you know, playing Corch, I mean, super tough opponent. Obviously, the guy's a workhorse and really strong. And I mean, he, he served great. But I was pretty I was pretty pumped to play him. You know, I played him. I mean, I haven't played him in the pros. I played him in the juniors, but I've known him for a long time. So. I knew I had the level and, you know, again, I served really well and was able to pull that one out too. So it was good. It was good. Uh, good win there for sure. That was a big statement win for me. That was a huge statement win to get to that third round, which you ultimately won uh, to make the fourth round. I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned having a, a lot of zeros on your ranking record going in and still being on the comeback in your own words. At what point did it feel like if it did feel like this, in a sense, Mackie, that this was kind of house money, that you've you know, made the second, the third round, now the fourth round, at some point, it's, I would imagine, the confidence skyrocketing and you're playing loose and free out there. Yeah. I definitely, you know, I've played my best tennis at the Grand Slams on, uh, you know, faster courts. And, I mean, I've done well in Australia uh, before and in the juniors. So that actually gave me a lot of confidence, just knowing how well I do down there and, and on those courts. But again, like with these matches, with, with everything going on, you know, I mean, I was really just going match by match. I mean, even that third round match for me, you know, it's, I mean, getting 90 points to go to go the fourth round, yeah. um, the 180 total, I mean, that's, it's, it's big for me. It's basically one less challenger I need to compete at and play to get back to, you know, top 100 and, and reach the goals, you know, I want to reach. So definitely played, you know, more free but I mean I'm definitely after something you know I'm not I'm not really happy with where I'm at still I think the rankings are a little bit shaken up all over the place so right. you know I'm fighting to, to get back to where I want to go and, and further that fourth round match that you lost to uh, the guy that's now number two in the world Daniil Medvedev uh, who's been given problems to a lot of players pretty much everyone that's played against him what did you learn, if anything, from that match, and uh, what can you take away as you you know continue your comeback and continue getting match toughness? Yeah, I mean he's a really good player. Honestly, one of my favorites. You know, I've played him four times now. I mean he's been extremely tough for me to play. You know, I've had some really close sets with him, but you know I can't pull out that win yet. I mean he's just he's scrappy. I mean unconventional, really good serve. A little predictable on the backhand, but I mean, the guy is just an absolute wall. You know, one of my toughest workouts is on the assault bike, and I feel like whenever I'm playing him, I'm doing a workout on the assault bike. So he's a really tough opponent. I mean, he's, he deserves the number two spot in the world right now, I'd say for sure. So, I mean, for me, I mean, it's just about keep plugging away. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding or I'm knowing my strengths. I'm thinking I'm playing more intelligently. You know, I feel like I'll have another shot at him for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, kudos to him. He's, he's doing awesome. 
And that movement is special as well for his size. Uh, again, another match that wasn't, you know, necessarily a blowout. He's just playing at a high level and uh, was uh, tough to beat for anybody outside of Djokovic in the final. I am curious to know the uh, the UCLA connection, which I alluded to at the top of the show. We're starting to see more and more players not only win at that prestigious school, but make their mark in the pro. I know you probably have some thoughts on uh, Jen Brady's run, having been basically a classmate of hers back then, but... To see her commitment to the game, that development, and uh, now making a major final you know, after the major semifinal last year has to be sort of special to see. And uh, that, that brethren of UCLA family and tennis players has to be pretty cool to watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, me and Jenny, we're the uh, same year at UCLA. Uh, we spent a lot of time together there. And honestly, she's been one of my best friends on tour. I talked to her a lot. And she lives in Lake Nona, too, when she's not training in Germany with her uh with her coach. So yeah, I mean, we talk a lot. We've talked today and I'm super happy for her and how she's doing. I, I've always thought she's had the level and she's, I mean, she's really has the game and I feel like she's really mentally put together and also physically improved so much over the last couple of years. And, and with her new coach, she's playing really smart. So, I mean, she's a fierce competitor now and I mean, all the hard work she's putting in is showing. So, I mean, it's, unbelievably awesome to see her final grand slam and hopefully she can win one introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com Mackie McDonald here on the TC Live podcast. As we gear towards you getting involved in tennis and what got you to this path of having some success already, Mackie, I'm curious to know your perspective on this. At what point did you realize that you had something special in tennis? Because you came into you know the junior ranks and, and really took it by storm, was a highly uh, touted and highly contested uh, recruit. But at what point did you think you had something special in tennis when you were growing up? You know, I've always... I've always had pretty good results through the juniors and college and, and now pro. I've I've always pushed myself to keep doing more. You know, sometimes I've definitely been down on confidence for myself and wondered if I could do it or not. But, I mean, looking back, if I do look back, you know, sometimes I don't want to reflect too much. But I feel like, you know, I've hit, hit a lot of good accomplishments, you know, getting gold balls in the juniors. Well, starting with Little Mo and then, you know, gold balls and juniors hitting number one in the nation. And then college tennis was key for me. I mean, it meant a lot to me uh, being number one in the country there. And winning NCAA singles and doubles is one of my greatest accomplishments, I'd say. So it means a lot for me to do that at UCLA. But when I had my run at Cincinnati, you know, I knew pro was, you know, something maybe I could do. When I was right before college, I qualified there. Yeah. And, uh, that established my ranking. I've had a ranking since then. Um, I mean, even when I first came out on, on the tour, I mean, it's a different beast. So it took me a little bit to get acclimated, but then I found my way and I kind of, you know, breached the rankings uh, pretty quickly, you know, getting top 100. And then, yeah, I mean, it's always a battle, but I mean, I think I've always pushing, stayed persistent and always worked hard. So I feel like those factors have really helped me. 
Yeah, that Cincinnati uh, run for you in 2013, beating two top 100 players and Steve Johnson and uh, Mahout to, to qualify for the main draw was pretty impressive for essentially an amateur before you were going to college. Age 13 to 18, Mackie, you were able to work with uh, Wayne Ferreira, who's won two, who's gone to two Grand Slam semifinalists and is a well-known coach among young de- players in development. How important was he to the development of your game? Yeah, he's helped me tremendously. Um, I still keep in contact with him. I know he's working with Francis now, so it's nice to see him on tour too. But he um, helped me tremendously. I mean, he it's funny because like, a lot of the things he said to me when I was young resonate very well and, and more so as I got older and as a pro. I mean, he's, he's such a knowledgeable coach. And, I mean, his, his knowledge from the tour for being out there so long was was really key. I think it gave me a lot of confidence being with him too, you know, knowing that someone believed in me that had such a good career and put a lot of effort and, and care into me. So yeah, I mean it was it was awesome working with him for sure. His pedigree speaks for itself. And Mackie looking at you know, I was gonna ask you the college question, but it seems like it was a matter of just if you were gonna go to college because UCLA right was pretty much decided with your family's pedigree there. Basically, yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. It, it had to be interesting, though, to weigh that decision because, like I mentioned, you were a top recruit, the top recruit in a lot of ways for college tennis players. So that thought of maybe, especially after the Cincinnati run, maybe had to weigh in your mind a little bit. Like, should I just go pro now? Yeah, I mean, it made the decision a little bit more complicated. I actually had a very good, um, when I was 16, starting off the ITF tour, I, I had a really good year and you know, went from, you know, making a ranking to 12 in the world right when I turned 17, I think. And then I actually had a pretty bad year, my second year of juniors. So I, you know, I fell back in the rankings a little bit. And, and uh, you know, I lost in round of 16 to Kalamazoo. I wasn't playing my best tennis. You know, I was already signed to UCLA and then I had that run at Cincy. So, I mean, I think for me, it just kind of let me know, like, okay, I'm going to be going into college. I kind of have my mindset on it, but you know, I need to keep working hard because you know I have higher aspirations and, and things I want to work towards. So, kind of made me think about pro, but you know, I didn't think about it too long. I I was really looking forward to going to college. It was only you know a month or two away for Cincy. So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty awesome choice to have you want to go into UCLA. Yeah, the match play you get from college and the development, I think we're starting to see the results now at the pro game where more men and women are, are having success coming from the college ranks and that match toughness that they could get. I will be honest, though, Mackie, a coworker of mine said you're probably not going to find a bigger Bruins fan than Mackie McDonald. So I was just hoping you would either confirm or dispel that notion. You'll find one, and <laughs> his name's Michael McDonald, and he's my father. <laughs> he's this guy uh wears used to like clothes. On the daily, this guy he uh, he's been wearing UCLA clothes since I was a junior. So I mean, even everyone thought he was the UCLA coach growing up. Wow. Like, even in his office, he's got UCLA Poly Pavilion seats from the old stadium Poly uh, Pavilion. He's got UCLA blinds. He's uh, he's obsessed. So I'd say he's UCLA's number one fan. Makes sense. I mean, especially when reading your backstory, you know, I think you even cited John Wooden as like an influence in your life, which makes perfect sense hearing, you know, that it's in your yeah. blood to be a Bruin. Yeah, no, I mean, John Wooden's, uh, my dad's always quoted him to me. 
I actually got to meet him one time when I was really young at, at UCLA at a basketball game. So got a picture with him and, you know, he signed a book for me. But no, I mean, there's definitely a legacy there. Him, Arthur Ashe, Jackie Robinson. There's a, yeah, I mean, the family runs pretty deep. More with Mackie McDonald on the TC Live podcast. Mitch Michaels here. Looking at that switch to pro, you know, you have the the high, the ecstasy moment of winning a national title in both singles and doubles. Then you go to the pro grind, you you forego your senior season, and uh, it, it is a grind. You're playing a lot of challengers, you're playing out of a lot of events. And, you know, meaning this respectfully and straightforward, did you have to, Mackie, adjust to losing more frequently and facing tougher matches and not having that success and victory? Yeah, one million percent. It's uh, it's funny because you go from college. You know, if you're successful in college, you know, I really feel like you have a shot in the pros. And you know, I had over ninety percent winning percentage in college, and then, I mean, when I came out, you know, I felt like it's you know a, a blank canvas. You're kind of starting over in a way. You know, you're trying to make your mark, and I mean, it's it's cutthroat. It's business. It's it's really tough on tour. And, you know, each week, the more I was out there, again, it's just staying persistent, working hard, keeping your head down a little bit and just, just working and, you know, picking up things each week, getting better. And it, it definitely took me a little bit. I lost my first, I think, four matches and I qualified for a tournament, but still lost a couple more matches. Um, it was, it, it was tough to find my roots in the, in the pros, but after a little bit, I think playing a future, winning that and, you know, making semis of a challenger in Tiburon, I, kind of found my way after a little bit. It's hard to find another sport like tennis where a great college player is still going to have to you know, work relentlessly just to make it at that college level and how much adversity they're going to face. You go through that, you go through 17, you start to make some noise, and then 18, 2018. That match, you know, you played Delray. Again, you, you mentioned how familiar you are with the tournament, being kind of close to the training base. But was that win over Delpo, Juan Martin Del Potro, was that the official breakthrough you were looking for? Um, yeah, I mean, massive match for me, really cool experience, and one of my best wins for sure. Yeah, it meant a lot to me to get a win over a top guy like that, a, a slam champ. So, I mean, it meant a lot. I, I would say, you know, winning there was, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was big for me. It wasn't something that really threw me over the edge or anything, but I was just happy to, to get that win. It was pretty special having a packed stadium. Everyone's basically cheering for Delpo and then had my, uh, little bit of my family and my girlfriend there. So it was pretty cool. He's too likable of a guy. I think that's the problem there. You know, everybody loves him. So (laughs) that was probably why they were all cheering for him. Oh yeah. No, they love him. It's hard not to. Wimbledon 2018 was your first Wimbledon, uh, in the main draw and you make to the fourth round there. And I, and I mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, it's rarefied air to have two fourth round runs, this quick, you know, this early in the game for, for somebody, especially out of college, a lot of Americans, Mackie, haven't had that success in majors, some with more prominent credentials and success on the tour level. What do you think it is that separates you with the majors, these best of five formats, maybe your style of play as a fighter? What do you think has made the difference for you at majors? I think for me, you know, I mean, like any of the other guys, and, and the young guys, you know, I mean, I, I even started playing Grand Slams later than, you know, some others. So, you know, there's definitely that learning curve of playing three out of five. And obviously now we only see the three out of five at the slams, whereas, you know, before, you know, with Davis Cup and, you know, finals of tour events and stuff, people are playing it. So 
for me, it, it was pretty daunting at the start. And even even throughout, you know, I've had some tough matches where I've been up two sets to love and, and lost a couple times. So going that deep run in, in Wimbledon was massive for me. You know, it was my first time there. I, I really hadn't played many grass seasons. So, I mean, I think the grass really suits my game. But, you know, I've always said, you know, I think I'm going to have my best runs at uh, Aussie Open and Wimbledon just because, you know, they're the fastest courts and uh, that just suits my game because when I'm on, when I'm playing aggressive, I mean, I feel like I can get a lot of guys on tour and, you know, those weeks I've, I've put it together and, and done that. I, I think that what separates me maybe is my aggression on the court, my ability to come forward and when I'm serving well too, on top of my returns that I have, you know, I'm, I'm pretty dangerous. Yeah, and and to kind of expand on that, Mackie, it's also about staying and, and being in tremendous shape to win a best of five match and go on a run. So I know you've talked about what goes into it off the court, the fitness level you have to have, and coming into these majors peaking is uh, something that I don't think a lot of players get right away. That college experience probably got you on that right path. Yeah, um, you know, post college, I knew the biggest thing I needed to work on was was the fitness aspect of it. Um, it took me little bit to get that you know that first year I really wanted to play a ton of matches like I said you know getting that match play so I played almost every single week and traveled just to get as much experience as I could on the tour and and, and build my ranking just because I hadn't you know I was hitting career highs every week just because I didn't have any points or or, you know my best ranking playing for a full year but you know the offseason in 2017 you know I I was in Lake Nona I, I made the transition to move here I was working with Brent Salazar, who was the head of uh, USTA Strength and Conditioning, and he helped me tremendously a ton. I mean, he put a lot of effort in, and uh, we got we got to work. We were working super hard. I I, I uh, got super strong working with him, and uh, yeah, I mean, now I feel like I've built such a good foundation. You know, I haven't really been too worried about my fitness levels um you know even in the slams even recently at Aussie Open you know I was not very tired after every single match I felt like I like I uh felt yeah just good so I'm super happy with how I've done in the fitness aspect did you have to go back to that well of you know getting back into shape from square one with the 19 2019 injury tearing your hamstring which you know had to have been the toughest year with COVID in 2020 when you were trying to bounce back as well, the uh, the toughest year for you having to recover from a brutal injury and not having the chance to play matches, which mentally had to be a strain as well. How were you able to kind of stay focused, get back in shape and on track and ultimately take it one day at a time? Yeah, I mean, it sucked. It was the worst time, you know, I've really had being at the top of my game, career high and you know, getting hurt like that. I mean, for me, I can just, yeah, I think it's happened to a lot of guys where they've been out for, you know, an extended period of time. It's just part of part of sports, you know, being having injuries and stuff. And I think for me, always knowing that, you know, I hit that level, I've had good results and I I knew I could get back there. I definitely had doubts, you know, some nightmares and stuff with, you know, my, my injury, you know, if I would ever have the same speed and everything. But I mean now it's it's no doubt that, you know, I have it back and and uh and all the strength that that I had before as well. Um, it took a lot of work, a good, good team as well. So super thankful for, you know, my surgeon at Andrews Institute and 
my coaches and everyone in my team that, that helped me and with the rehab as well. I mean, it was, uh, it was a tough time. You know, I couldn't, couldn't walk at the start. You know, I was bedridden and just couldn't do anything. So I stayed, uh, stayed busy doing some UC, uh, UCLA classes. So I chipped away at my major and I'm pretty close to graduating. Other than that, you know, it's just the daily grind of rehab and, you know, always pushing to do more each day, each day. And then finally, when you're able to play and move fully, then, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a long process. Well, I can tell that you had your perspective and you appreciated being back on the court when you did. Uh, we could tell that when you played Rafael Nadal at the French Open in 2020 in that second-round matchup, and the quotes were, I'm excited, this is going to be fun. Not normally what you would expect to hear from somebody that drew Rafa in round two. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Rafa's a pretty tough opponent there, especially for me. So, you know, I was honestly just pretty happy to be out there, you know, which I tried a couple different things, but you know, I mean, I can always say I played Rafa on Field Chatrier, so it was pretty exciting. Such a cool moment. Uh, a few more things with Mackie McDonald here on the TC Live podcast. Hey, Mackie, life on tour for a tennis player. Seems glamorous on the outside. We know that there's more that meets the surface than it is a, a full commitment. So I was going to ask you this question. What's something that most people on the outside, if you peel back the curtain, don't realize about just the total grind there is to being a pro tennis player is it the travel, some other things you have to deal with, but something that the general public necessarily doesn't realize? I'd say a lot of the hard work that goes into it end up with the travel. You know, I mean, for me, it's been, you know, I've sacrificed a lot over my lifetime playing tennis and, you know, being a pro is part of that. You know, I haven't been home since Thanksgiving 2019, but partially due to the pandemic as well. So, you know, I haven't, you know, seen my mom since February last year and, I barely get to see my girlfriend. So, I mean, it makes it special when I do get to see my family. And I know they're always watching and cheering for me. And thank God for FaceTime because I can always, you know, kind of see them that way. But um, I'd say all that time you kind of miss with family. You know, I didn't think it'd say bye to my grandpa. He passed away last year. So, I'd say all that stuff is pretty tough. But beyond that, I'd say the travel as well. It's, uh, I mean, this last trip was, was insane and even last year was insane i mean i traveled you know i went to kazakhstan twice now you know i never thought i'd go there but that's the only place that you know they were able to put up tournaments and yeah. you know i'm traveling i mean a 10-hour flight is almost normal right now i mean i was jumping around the map like crazy so and, and and this was my longest trip ever and i think partially due to the covid and the situation it's been that way but you know there's no choices because right. it's either play tennis or sit at home and you know we want to do well and make money and I'm just grateful I haven't gotten COVID on the road because I know I mean it's been extremely stressful for a lot of guys and you know I feel for all the guys that have had to face those multiple 14-day quarantines or yeah. I mean all the travel stuff I don't think those get highlighted as much but I mean I've heard some pretty bad stories from some of the guys on tour lately with, with traveling and I'm just super grateful that I haven't been stuck I've been on top of my tests my my health you know wearing a mask and and staying safe so knock on wood you know that keeps going you mentioned uh that the fact that you have a lot of expenses like a lot of tennis players you know spending you know in the six-figure range on expenses per year but also how necessary it is and how you're willing to splurge if it's going to help your game i think that's something too that people don't really understand is just how much it costs even even these top players to maintain a uh, high level and, and have everything in order 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it's, it's part of it. I mean, I, this year I, and last year I invested in having a traveling coach full time and, and this guy, Jaime Polgar, he's been traveling with me and doing an incredible job. And, you know, I mean, I think that's making a massive difference in my game as well. Uh, having someone with me full time who's, who's young, wants to travel, can, can travel and, uh, and cares as well. So it's been, it's been awesome having him and having, you know, almost a friend on tour like that and someone in your corner. So, I mean, you know, you got to pay the price and, and do that and, and have someone because uh, if you do it by yourself, I mean, I've seen even some guys try to do that during this time with the pandemic just because of risk and this and that. And like you see them, you know, having a tough time competing because of it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and then beyond that, you know, you got to pay expenses and everything. So, I mean, it's part of it. Yeah. That's just what you got to do. You pay the price, but uh, in the end, you get to kind of reap the rewards if you have success, and that has to feel pretty good, which I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that first car purchase, that first BMW had to feel pretty good when you were able to afford that. Yeah, that was, that was pretty special to me. That was my first, uh, one of my first big purchases, but it was definitely necessary. I probably waited to the last minute to, to get a car. I got an apartment and a car maybe a day apart. In, in Lake Nona and there was no way I was going to get to my apartment or anywhere if I didn't get a car. So went to the dealership after, after Miami open and, you know, had to, had to pull the plug and it was a great decision. Deservedly so for sure. A, a wise decision. Uh, before I let you go, Mackie, uh, I do want to know if you could shed some light on another thing, you know, who are your, who are your friends on tour, your closest friends on tour? We hear a lot about this American brotherhood these guys in their young, yeah. you know, early to mid twenties, is that kind of the tennis crew you roll with or are there other friends that we don't really know about on the outside? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome and special having all the, all the young Americans. I mean, I've, I've spent some time. I've hit with John a lot. I haven't spent much time off the court with him, you know, Sam as well. Spent a little time off the court with Sam a little bit more, um, than John, but I mean, some of my best friends on tour, I mean, Tommy Paul is one of my closest friends, Taylor Fritz, Riley Opelka spent a lot of time with Foe as well. So, I mean, you know, those guys are, are awesome. And even, I mean, all the Americans I get along with. Um, I mean, Michael Moe and Marcos Garone, obviously, he's, he's a brew, and I talk to him a lot. So he's, I'm super happy with him and how he's doing as well. So it's pretty cool having another brew and on the, on the men's side with him. And, yeah, I mean, it's a good time. There's, there's a, quite a few of us. I think all the Americans, you know, we have a good time on tour too. We're pretty funny. And, just enjoy being around each other for sure. Is it a lot of, uh, you know, sports watching with uh, your Warriors playing or, you know, are you part of that gaming community that Taylor Fritz seems to be at the top of? What are some of the hobbies with you guys? Dude, Taylor's always trying to get me to play all these <laughs> games and stuff. He's, he's the biggest gamer I know for sure. He, he loves it. He lives for it. He doesn't shy from saying it too. So, you know, it's, I think that's his thing though. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'll, reading a little bit, you know, playing some games on tour, but I like to, when I can, I mean, it's been tough right now, but I, I, I like the camaraderie and just getting together with the guys and just, you know, just hanging out and, and doing stuff when we can and, 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 uh, being safe. So I'd say, yeah, just, that. yeah, taking advantage of that downtime is very, very important. Uh, when you can get it as a pro tennis player, uh, Mackie McDonald, thanks again for your time. Very last question. What's on deck for you for 2021? What are you uh, hoping to accomplish? Some uh, highlights on your calendar. What are you looking forward to this year? Yeah, I mean, at the start of the year, you know, I wanted to 
build my ranking back. I mean, I started the year just inside 200. So my biggest goal was to get back in the top 100. And alongside that, you know, it's starting to, by winning a challenger, which I, which I did in Kazakhstan. So across that one off the list, maybe I'll do another one. Um, I'm going to play the Orlando challenger in a couple of weeks, but um, you know, I've, I've mainly really been focused on just competing well, improving and playing good tennis. And, you know, the rest is kind of taking care of itself as I'm seeing. So I just got to stay hungry. You know, I still want to get after that top hundred. Uh, one of my biggest goals is winning a 250 and, and a tour event. So I'm going to keep striving for that and, and uh, working hard to get there. We look forward to seeing it happen. Mackie McDonald, thanks for joining the TC Live podcast. Best of luck with everything on your uh, steadily uh, improving comeback. But really appreciate you spending time here and looking forward to catching up in the future. Awesome. Thank you, Mitch. Once again, thanks to Mackie McDonald for coming on the show this week. I truly believe that the best is yet to come for him. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can take the word of many former professional players, coaches, and analysts who are more credentialed than me in the sport. He's getting there. He's rounding into form. He's already had success at the Grand Slams. There's more on the horizon for young Mackie McDonald. Thanks again to him. And thanks for everybody out there listening to the TC Live podcast this week. A reminder, every episode can be found on tennis.com slash podcasts all your platforms, all your devices. We're live. There's going to be more episodes coming, including next week, a Miami Open preview that you're not going to want to miss. The Miami Open, which did not happen last year, is going to take place. 2021 Miami Open, a lot to break down about that. You'll have all the info you need here on the TC Live podcast. I'm Mitch Michaels, and that's the show. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week with another episode of the TC Live podcast.